It's time for Peer Pressure. Today's guest is Troy Gregory from Detroit, member of the Witches, Basis for Crime in the City Solution, also is a member of the Dirt Bombs, Prong. We'll talk about many of those things and also about his audition for Metallica. Please stay tuned. Thanks to Lita Martinez for editing the podcast. And thanks to Liz Berg for handling the other podcast jobs, as it were. We are WFMU. Troy Gregory coming up next on Peer Pressure. Troy, are you there? Yes, I'm here. It sounds like your studio is haunted right now. Yeah, I just, you know, I, I um, yeah, I was trying, <laughs> to, trying to get a couple of things to work, and uh, it's electricity, man. Electricity—that's what it does. I experienced a, a near power outage last night. It was, you know, a lot of thunder and lightning last night, and the lights were flickering. And I'm like, it's just time to shut everything off, go to bed. That's all. Yeah, I think it's every now and then a little electricity and lightning. I have to just keep on reminding you that your cousins. <laughs> Exactly. It's like not interested in fighting it. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this done. It's like no, there's yeah. Go we, with the flow. We still you, don't understand you, electricity and uh, the universe. Although we depend on it entirely. Hey. So, sir, how are yeah. you today? I'm fantastic. Thank you very much. I sat out in the morning. It's a nice morning here in Detroit, and was out with my cat on the back porch and a um, cup of coffee and all that type of thing. And yeah, so far, it's so far fantastic. Excellent. Well, we're gonna we're gonna Every work to make ground, <laughs> and we're gonna work to make it even more fantastic. Um, cool. Can you just uh, get the listeners up to speed on uh, a small bit of your accomplishments? Because we would be here all day just talking about your your resume, uh, just, as it were. Sleep much. <laughs> and what's your, yeah, what's your proudest of? It's mostly my own stuff is always interesting because you hear what that little band in your head sounds like, you know? Right. And um, you get it kind of outside, you know, of there. And uh, The Witches is a band I've probably done the longest, 20 years or so, but it's never really formed, so it's never really broken up. It's just kind of there, and when it needs to be kind of conjured up to do something, um, and then it does. And then when I, usually when I try to force it to do something, it falls apart. I'm playing right now for, and also in a Crime in a City Solution, playing bass for them, and bass for a band called After Dark Amusement Park in Detroit, too. And just working on solo stuff, soundtrack stuff. I, I was in a, by the other bands I was in the longest, Dirt Bombs, about, I don't know, for nine years. And just a lot of Detroit musicians have worked with or friends that helped out their bands, like Volbeats, Electric Six, um, Outrageous Cherry. And playing with a lot of Detroit people like Andre Williams, late, the late great Nathaniel Mayer, mm. and like Rodriguez, and you know Kerry Lauren, and just I'm a hero for hire, like Luke Cage, Power Man. <laughs> I'm a, everyone knows it's not that difficult to get me to play some instrument with you, and um, and for very little, if almost no money, and you know, I shouldn't advertise that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, it's about nice. fun. Nice to get. Is that enough? Is that is that my I've, I've had over thirty jobs in between. 30, over 30 right. bands I've played with, too. Um, That's uh, kind of impressive, I guess. Well, uh, you know, being crap like that. Oh, my God. Oh, those jobs. <laughs> yeah, jobs, yeah, those jobs, too. You know, mm -hmm. so it's like in between, you know, in some bands I've only been in maybe for a rehearsal <laughs> or a day and, and some, you know, it was for a very long time. And some maybe just a record, some maybe just for touring. It's, it's not, it's, you keep busy doing what you, what you do, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't really do much of anything else, so it's not very um, 
not really that classically strange or anything. Yeah, how, how did you uh, come up with the Crime in the C- City Solution gig? Simon Bonney I've known for a while. I did a record with him about 15 years ago, a solo record, and unfortunately never came out. What part of it was used for the soundtrack for this Dennis Leary movie called Underworld. I met Simon through there, and I met Alexander Hacke through uh, Ted Parsons from Prong, when Prong was in Hamburg, and we were kind of like the last two people standing when the sun came up at this bar. Yeah. Matthew Smith in Detroit, here, Matt, and I've been playing with since I was nine. We had our first band, me, him, and uh, Michael Alonzo, who plays now in Electric Six. He was like a Five Horse Johnson and mm-hmm. uh, Bantam Rooster and stuff like that. And he's, uh, I've known Mike, actually, since I've been four. And wow. Same, same area, and we had our first band when we were, when we were kids. And, you know, oh, that's so cute. And, yeah, and tr- trying to play uh, um, Black Sabbath songs and, and, and Devo and stuff. So we, uh, Matt and Simon kept, kept in contact for a while, and they said, and, and I'm running to Alex whenever he's been in town with Neubauten, and, and just kind of the talk of doing a crime thing again came up. So we've got it, and then uh, Jim White from the Dirty Three, Cap Power too, right? And he, um, he's around town here all the time. He hangs out in Hamtramck. So he was talked about it again, and I guess maybe that's the Australian connection, too, with him and uh, Simon and Bronwyn. David Eugene Edwards from um, 16 Horsepower and Wolven Hand uh-huh. is also playing, and Alexander Hacker, you know, from Neu Bonten. Mm-hmm. And, um, and his wife, Danielle Pichicado, is um, in the band, too, as a visual artist, because we just recorded this record. I mean, it's still, um, Alex is still mixing it. And Mute should have that out by September at least, because we're talking about touring in October, and we'd have Danielle's uh, visuals because we want to have screens because we figure we're too boring to look at. <laughs> a bunch of old men, you know, playing music. But no, it's, uh, it's, the record sounds really, really great. I've always liked the band, so... Oh, it's, yeah. It's, it's always neat to end up in bands that you bought the records before you knew any of these cats. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes you feel really fortunate, and I've been lucky to have had that with with them and um, with Killing Joke too because I, I used to buy every Killing Joke little single and, and I'd buy their t-shirt at the, at the show I'd spend $25 on a shirt while Jazz is going money is not that God <laughs> give me the t-shirt it was, so it was really cool to end up in that band because you know these are songs I would listen to all the time you know and it's always fun when stuff like that happens you know because when you spend your whole life just being obsessed with music and getting to play with black sabbath geezer butler you know complimenting me was just you know wow you know, and i'm really? like oh my god like, man i was a fifth grade i learned how to do my bass and it was that type of things that, even prong was that way because i bought a cassette of uh force fed you know before i knew those guys so when you know someone got asked for who would tour with them and said well what's a Bring Prong because I like that record, and I got that because I heard Ted was in the Swans, and I liked the Swans and that type of thing. And I had this drafting job, which only thing got me through it was like basically, I mean, because I'm horrible, that so just felt inept and that, you know, the whole time. And I was playing gigs at night, so I was sleeping in there, and the guys I worked with they didn't, you know, uh, like my my hair <laughs> or something. So because of my hair, it was an object of ridicule. But so it's like. Um, it was nice, like, uh, uh, uh and I listened to quite a bit around time in her early swans with, it's such good, uh, and you and me talked about it earlier, Decreutzen, you know, October file, that, that type of thing of just listening, that was just perfect work music for when it was kind of 
who's that? Now I keep on talking, and this is your radio station. Probably some people are at work and want to hear your music rather than me. Yeah, probably. Well, no, but we, I want to hear your background and to kind of get people to get, because you really come from, you know, if you look at, I mean, first of all, your Wikipedia page is like tremendous and and which just points to your accomplishments but it's like you've got this whole pocket of sort of like the real noisy type you know killing joke uh, larval crime the city solution like like that whole and and then some real straight rock stuff and then some real heavy stuff too you know prong and flotsam and jetsam and and you are multi it's not even multi-talented it's like you've got you've got at least three heads you know, to be able to be like in the metal, yeah, right, exactly, ha. Um, but to be able to be in the metal world, and then to be able to be in, like you said, like ridicule your hair and that kind of thing. It's like, <laughs> it's for me. I don't know. It's um, I've never really kind of really liked the idea of genre. I mean, it's something that really kind of started prol- proliferating more when the older I, I got. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, when the summer re- I remember a lot of the record stores I went into as a child. It was just A to Z. Right. And then they, maybe they would separate, oh, classical, and then there was a, and the rest was all lumped together. So you would go through looking for the suite or something, and you would and you would see like the OJ's as well, you know what I mean, right. or John Lee Hooker or KC and the Sunshine Band, Everly Brothers, and uh, you know Black Sabbath. You know it was, right. you know, obviously not in that order because that'd be a really crappy filing system. <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> The, but the, well, the thing is, is that then all of a sudden these record stores, and I know I've worked at a bunch, all of a sudden just divide in these posts. I remember, like, the last time I worked at a record store a couple of years ago, and it was uh, this whole, that someone complained to me about our techno section, is it's like, because we don't have a special thing for just uh, drum and bass or something. You know, it was like zillions of different styles of that. And even, like, for metal, well, it's the death metal, it's the prog metal, it's this metal, you know, all these. Right. It's just all name brands. And you think about that, the first time ever really records really were, I mean, music in itself, when it started becoming a commodity, you know, where people actually got a voice, was, you know, the first separation was was a racist one, obviously. It was race records. Here's the black records, here's the white records, you know, mm. and I think genre is, is, is an illusion, and, um, but obviously there's, there's certain, like, little ingredients of something that kind of, that influence or that recognition, like, to say that with painting, ah, he's a surrealist, or he's a cubist, why? Well, he painted a cube. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, um, growing up, the Beatles and David Bowie, you know, a lot of those cats, you know, we're just kind of all over the place musically, but you didn't think of, like, when you're listening to them, like, from, you know, And I Love Her to I'm the Walrus to, you know, uh, Helter Skelter, let's just say, whatever. And, you know, it's, you weren't like, wow, you know, they're, they're doing a lot of different styles. It was just, it was still them, you know what I mean? Hmm. And I guess that is a thing, because if you like something, like something, I guess because I got into it such an early age, too, because I started being kind of obsessed with the record player at three or four, and it was like the clock recording soundtrack was like my favorite thing to play, and um, the hanky panky single at different speeds because it did 16, 33, 45, and 78. Oh, right, 16, so, yes. Yeah, so every, every record in the house got the treatment at every speed, and actually, if you slow down um, the 45 of the Supremes, um, um, nothing but heartaches. To uh, take the 45 and put it at 33, it sounds like Curtis Mayfield, and the bass sound and the, the, the saxophone sounds like uh, like Lemmy playing bass on it or something. Nice. It's really good. But um, <laughs> that and the Disney chilling, thrilling sounds of a haunted house got played a lot too. Lots of times we played them both together because we had a little kind of almost close and play player too. So it was always nice to hear things together. So right away, you had to kind of be interactive with music. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, I just couldn't just sit there and listen to it. Or if I did, you would act out the songs. You know, what I mean, as a kid, you know. Um, right. Right, that type of thing. Uh, like whenever 
of I'm down from the Beatles beyond, we jump up and then just lay him down, you know, just crap like that. <laughs> and, and so I, I didn't really have the peer pressure funny, um, mm. around me of Got someone it. going, oh, you know, if I heard a song I liked on the radio or if I wanted to buy the record of somebody going, oh, God, you like that. You mm. know what I mean? And mm-hmm. because the people then, when they start doing it, then start dividing you again into social sex. And that's usually the problem of most things in life was when people start just dividing it, whether it's property, you know what I mean? Um, it's, it's like if you look at the earth from, another, from, another, from, the, from the moon, it's like everyone's here. It's not like, well, I'm going to go land in South America. It's like you land where it's dry or where it's wet. You know, these, this is this turf. The names to them are illusions as well. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. And that's kind of so. I just, I know, just, and when I met Michael Alonzo, and I remember we met on the corner in Detroit. Said I was, I was in the corner burning tar with a magnifying glass, <laughs> and we started. Talk, it was, it was nice. I met someone else that was listening to the monkey or watched the monkeys every day and mm-hmm. listened to that and. Also, at the same time, you know, like there was the TV show too, The Ghoul and Sir Graves Gasly. They were horror movie hosts. Oh, cool. And so who liked, you know, movies like The Hypnotic Eye and, and stuff like that and Buckets of Blood and or The Mummy and, you know, that type of thing. So that's someone else who was interested in that, Marvel Comics, but mostly music. Because, and there was, you start, you know, it wasn't really, kids started getting into sports and stuff, but I just didn't really have an interest in it. Mm-hmm. And so you spend a lot of time, introverted to Mike and Matt and all them were older than me they were in my brother's grade so I was like a tag along they wouldn't always let me come hang out oh. until they found out I had a bass I was walking home and I heard this feedback coming from this one house I'm like you guys got a guitar and they're like yeah I'm like I got a bass they're like go home and get it my, my uncle passed away when I was like four he was 28 of the asthma, this asthma attack he like would mold the lawns for like the most polluted part of of Detroit, well, outside of Detroit, River Rouge, mm. over down the river, and uh, but he played guitar and we looked a lot alike. So it was always this really strange feeling because Earth Child Memory was like his funeral, and everyone was like, "Hey, you look like the corpse," you know what I mean? <laughs> and but he had the airline guitar and airline amp in the basement, and I always would just kind of want to take it on my mom, like, "Oh, don't do it," you know, you'll get electrocuted. And I just remember going to grab my mom's, like, I'm walking, I she's, "What are you doing?" And they're like, "I'm going down uh, down to John Helby's and jam with him and Michael Alonzo. And she's like, don't, don't get electrocuted. And, uh, <laughs> and and I plugged this thing in, and I first learned about, really, we're talking about electricity again, because we were putting everything through different amps so we can get feedback. I touched the strings and then touched the uh, microphone. It was one of the very first things I did, and I just saw blue, and the microphone stuck to my teeth. And it was like, and I, I knew from that moment I, I was on, on the correct path of, of, of life. Of where I, oh, where, you did? Where, you know, I mean, I was on my way. I spent my, whatever makes me up was uh, was uh, instigating it, uh, whatever. Uh, it was making sense, basically. I'm sorry, that sounds strange. I've only been out for a couple, like an hour and a half. So, now that's that's quite a right, <laughs> and and that's a really great story. I, forgot, I think I tangent off. I don't think I actually answered your question. I'm sorry. What I was kind of getting at is that you've worked in every genre, not every genre, but you've worked in in quite a variety of genres. Right. And um, and some you know people aren't necessarily capable of that, but you can you can groove anywhere. There's a lot of well, I know a lot of musicians and a lot of groups though that do like a lot of different things and play a lot of different things. I just never like to feel limited to what I can write about or what instruments I can use, what mood of a song has to be in. It's just too rigid for my head. I, hmm. I'm just goofy, I guess, to really to be that disciplined maybe i don't i don't know if that's a, you know, if that's the correct word even like i know we played a show with napalm death and then and their um sound check they did like a note for note 
absolutely perfect version of that Bengals cover, Hazy Shade of Winter, you know? Really? You know, you, you tend to find it's like, what was, um, we were touring with, um, when I was a young man, with um, Testament. Mm-hmm. And, and me and the guitar player, Alex, got along really well. Uh-huh. And, um, and you know, I was never giving him, like, cassettes of, like, to listen to, like, David Sylvian and, you know, just different stuff. You know, they, he enjoyed as well. It wasn't just, you know, I only like this this one genre. I can't really say this one genre that I just would totally just raise the banner for. Like, yep, I love everything that's, um, that's death reggae. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Death reggae. Um, it's like, again, still, it's that's kind of an illusory concept, especially as a musician, because it's the, it's the, the act of playing, like I said, of being involved. Mm-hmm. With, with the manipulation of the sounds, and I think that's the reason I play a lot of different instruments. It wasn't like, well, I want to play a bunch of different instruments. You know, it's just you pick up something and make a sound with it, and um, and this is sort of that organization of sounds, depending obviously on how you feel. And and if you're lucky enough, to also have other people in the room, then just that that interaction. I just always find interesting. So it's lots of times it's it's, it's the um, the action of action of doing it, of being in real time, creating something. Mm-hmm. And stuff. That's why I also like to do a lot of improv shows as well with my friend Matt's band. He had this band, 24 Hour Technicolor Exorcism and THDX. And we did a show at uh, Reese Chapman in Detroit here. And it was great because I just said, I'm just not wanting the tune and no rehearsal and just get up there to start making making music. And when you can find people who really understand or, or feel, understand on an on a, a, a emotional level in, improvisation, it, it's, um, it's, it's great. Because you think about it, you're not even, when you're writing a song, you're improvising anyways, but you're editing as you're going. Right. You know, um, they sit down that way. So it's nice just to create something. I guess that's it. Well, because, I'm sorry, I'm tangenting again. Stop me. So was your first instrument the bass? I think, I don't know. I mean, maybe the turntables. And then I had this Mickey Mouse drum set, but I it, it smashed right away because I had like the paper tops. So um, then there was a guitar. It was a Paramount acoustic. It's actually in my garage, and like the, you could drive a truck underneath the um, strings in the fretboard of that thing. At this point, it's it's completely bent. It's almost a circle. Then bass just kind of happened as well. And singing always always liked singing. It's you know singing you know school plays and that type of stuff you know, like from kindergarten. And, it was always, you know, making up songs and stuff like that. Sorry, I've got a something is <laughs> typing behind me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which, I like uh, I I I, I like um, WFMU. I liked every I was played there twice. I like that yeah. like, house, the house there. I like looking through all your guys' stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, somebody like you certainly would. I don't mean to cut you off because you know I I realize oh. now that I probably should have just had you on for the entire show. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I, I'm no, sorry. no, no, no. Call, call me off at any time if no, I'm just going to say halt. There's, there's, or, you there's know, no being sorry. It's like what you're bringing to the program is is really is really great, and oh. uh, and I'm just enjoying everything that you have to to talk about. Um, and you're here as a guest DJ, so um, I wanted to um, to get into that a little bit, if we could get into maybe your first set. Okay. But, uh, that starts with a song called "After the Init- Initiation." What would you like to say about that? Um, it's from. Um recordings I did of one minute songs called Snack Packs Volume 1 it's uh-huh. online on um, Bandcamp there's like about 20 25 tunes it's just with just me alone at, at night with writing songs that are either a minute or less um, I don't know why that's the things you think about at night awesome <laughs> this is a song about what you think about at night 
So this is called After the Initiation. My guest is Troy Gregory, and uh, we will be back in a few minutes. Hold on, please. My guest is Troy Gregory. Troy, are you there? Hello. Hello. Yes, I'm here. Yay. Awesome. So far, so good. You play on that prong record. Yes. And uh, what would you like to say about it? Prove you wrong. Funny because um, uh, Tommy Victor and me actually started kind of writing each other emails. And um, his regular bass player couldn't uh, maybe do this one tour and asked me if I would fill in. And I, I would have actually, because, but I was doing the Crime in the City Solution record all month. But then we talked oh, about mean, maybe the idea Lisa? of, because um, I guess he's he's going doing some shows in Europe, doing the entire Beg to Differ record. Mm, wow! So he talked about the idea of going playing playing shows somewhere, or I don't know, touring or uh, one show or whatever, doing the, the Prove You Wrong record. And if I would do it, I said yes. You know, if we can get Ted, who lives in Norway, 
uh, to do it. I think I think it'd be it'd be fun to do, you know. Yeah. And stuff. And I was uh, think about those guys it was really funny. It was like this, they have this food obsession. We're not even an obsession. I wouldn't call it that. This thing about food. They, any any place we were at, whether it was in the states or in Europe, and it was just the smallest town or whatever, they knew what to get to eat there. You know what I mean? Like, all the hot dogs here are incredible, or the mussels here are really amazing, you know, and stuff. But it's from anything from this, unfortunately, expensive restaurant or something to uh, a thing you can get off of a dock in a styrofoam cup, you know. <laughs> um, and, it, and they just knew that. I mean, everywhere. I'm ser- serious. It, it, was, it was amazing. It's Missoula, and they knew the thing to get in Missoula is, I don't know, this, you know, this turducken pizza, I don't know, or something. You know I mean? They had some uh, radar for, for that. <laughs> of the local uh, cuisine. Well, you know, and when you're on the road, it's really important to not get sick. Like, you know, like food, especially food related sickness. Well, yeah, you're sleeping, it's all kind of odd and sweating and all that kind of crap. But, you know, lots of times, though, most people are out, especially when you're on tour, it's what they like in Spinal Tap, where they say the adolescent fantasy world they build around you, then it's this whole constant thing, well, the show's done, now I'm going to drink, 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 go back to the hotel, what they're going to do, you know, I mean, and it's it's like I feel a lot of people who always go, ah, the road is hard, It's, it's like, oh, no, it's not. It's not at all. It's actually it could be a lot of fun. Sure. Depending on, on, on who you're with, because it's well, it's travel. It's just basically a family vacation. And so you're stopping and you're playing shows, and um, I'd always like touring with people who look at it in that way, so they don't mind stopping and seeing the reptile farm or something. You know, see this, you know, the six-headed elephant, you know, right. whatever. <laughs> and, and it's always fun to, to to do stuff like that. And you know? make the most of and, it. Yeah. Very I'm cool. sorry, I'm trailing off again. <laughs> no, 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 it's all good. Um, and then before that, the uh, Crime in the City Solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, just, and yeah, just, that record should be out in s- September. And um, so I've always liked that band. I've had, I've, I've worn out cassettes of that record. I always had cassettes because I, I for a while didn't have like a permanent home. It was just whatever gigs I, I could get or what I wanted to be or when there wasn't, you know, visit, um, I can visit my parents or my brother or something and uh, or if I was dating someone around that time and everything, staying with them. So it was like always you could pack up everything you owned in, in 10 minutes or, or less. So the Walkman was uh, was on. I, mean, I think there's like probably little indentures from headphones in my ears or Mm-hmm. From wearing those consistently, also just bad cheap headphones too. You know, the ones that just digging is like your rocks, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and of course you sleep with that on too. And it was for a long time. And so almost everything I had was cassettes, and so you'd wear them out. Uh, you know, eventually. So yeah, like cassettes, literally. I don't really have a cassette player anymore though. The cassette thing actually, what's I um, you know the band Wolf Eyes from um, yeah. Detroit. Uh huh. I guess they got like about. They got like something like a hundred cassettes that they've done or something, you know, and, and they sell them too. It, it, I, I think that's pretty neat. Yeah, that is. I mean, there are a lot of people that still really do like cassettes and uh, find them. I, there's something about them being sort of like mechanical as a, uh, opposed right. to like this digital magic. Like you put a CD into a closed box. Right. And then you hope it plays. You know, with cassettes, I mean, you know, we've all done surgery on cassettes. Yeah, you know, like, oh, true. my God, that's my favorite cassette. And you rip it out and, you you know, you, oh, I'll, I'll lose that word, but I've got to keep that, you know, we've right. all and learned. Sometimes you do that on purpose. That was fun to do, too, with 8-tracks. when you're mm. on. But, you know, you always, you always figure, I mean, whether it's an 8-track or a flexi-disc, you know, or, you know, a vinyl <laughs> or MP3, 
it's it's just you know the way you kind of get it to me. I mean, obviously, it's nice to hear something if you listen to some Shostakovich piece. It's when you hear it on this amazing stereo, like wow. Mm. You know, I've never really had a good stereo, so maybe I'm just kind of used to it in that way. But you figure out any way you get it. It's amazing how some people get to the point where they're ready to kill each other over. over fight over vinyl versus, you know, MP3 and all these things and, you know, and what's pure and what's not, which is, which is such a ridiculous dogmatic argument because if you think about it, even when recorded music was new, there was people going, well, that's not real because it's not someone performing. So right. almost there's, there's almost this whole school of thought that thinks of any of those formats are inferior to... Uh, the reality of the situation or something. Right, to a live performance. That's that's interesting, you know, and how far back does that go, you know what I mean? Right. Cavemen imitating birds or something, or Mm -hmm. smashing, um, trying to bust open uh, some animal with a bone or the rock and then keeps on doing it and someone goes, hey man, keep on playing that beat. (laughs) Right, right. While that guy's whistling, trying to capture that bird. Mm. Well, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Snoring in a cave, you know, reverb in a cave. Right, well, sure. I mean, and that's just man's basic experiments. Reverb was probably a very early thing. Well, I mean, it's all, it's all, you know, waves anyways. If you think about that, when you're born, you're this single, single cell thing with tons and tons of billions of information of how to construct you. You know what I mean? It's like inside your mother is this little kit all of a sudden that just appears out of just, you know, the combination of... uh, you know, sperm and egg, there you go, and about 23 chromosomes from each, and there you go, you got zillions more more cells that work in this tiny little you know, thing, all of a sudden, eventually, you know, out of a single cell, all out of this one thing. It's amazing, all those bits of information are there, but all transcended with waves, so it makes the fact that music, music makes more sense now to me, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I kind of look at it in that way, and it, it's, it's just always there, so the right. idea when people have trouble about making music, or it's all about writing a song, it's, it's it's always there because it all takes place in your head that really isn't there anyway. Well, sure. Well, and there's always the argument, you know, people who say, well, that's not music, that's noise, you know, about about things that are, you know, literally in a genre called noise or just loud music that people... Yeah, the idea of where noise ends and where music begins, I mean, that's that's, that's a kind of ridiculous argument Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. I mean, because it's, 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 it's it's all sound and the idea of trying to contain a certain amount of time within and the basis of organizations of these sounds, you know, in itself, and then then in the time, and it's, it's such an odd thing because you really, you know, you think about all you really are ever is in just this moment. So the idea of containing something like a three-minute song or side-long, supper's ready, whatever, you know, whatever your thing is, or even just playing a show or doing anything, you're just kind of, or making a film or something, um, or what someone demands, I suppose, out of, out of painting as well. Because you think about it, you know, the past doesn't really exist because it's unless it's just kind of echo, really. Mm-hmm. And um, if, if you want to, or an optional echo. The future doesn't really exist because once you think about it, you're already in the future. Right. If you, <laughs> you know what I mean? If you sit and there. of possibilities, you had only really one outcome as far as we know. Right. And, and I think it's, well, uh, and there's, I find that interesting, just that creative aspect of it, I, I suppose, is... Mm-hmm. Maybe inherent in, in, in all those crazy little codes and that little single cell thing in your mom. Yeah, well, we're all eventually jumps out and starts a band. Right, gets feedback. And <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, before the Crime in the City Solution track, we heard from the Dirt Bombs. Yes, oh, I love the Dirt Bombs. They're just a fun band to play, and I played, ended up on every instrument in that band at one point. Oh, really? 
And yeah, it's like where did uh, you start? It just started well. I, well, Mick and and I always had mutual friends that said that we'd get along and had a lot of similar musical tastes. So we met a long time ago in Detroit when we was a young younger man. We connected on Brian Eno. We talked about Brian Eno a lot. So he was doing a cover of King's Lead Hat and asked me if I'd play violin on it. And so I, I did. And then, this, you know, we recorded at the same studio at Jim Diamond's at Ghetto Recorders. And Jim was playing bass for the Dirt Bonds, but he was also playing 12-string guitar in The Witches, me and, uh, me and John Nash and whoever happened to be in at the group at the time as well. And we recorded all our records at, at, at Jim's. Except for the first one was like just done on a four track in my kitchen. So it was always like a round. So, and Mick's always had kind of different people kind of coming out. You know, it's the thing of a lot of that comes from just like, you know, uh, we, we have a very, so Mick and I got along a very, very similar ways of how we, uh, of various medias, uh, how it affected us growing up to and to where we were at that, at that time. And I saw eye to eye on a lot of that, just the certain aesthetics, the life in general, too, you know what I mean? It was nice, you know, to talk to someone about, you know, Richard Feynman ideas with or something as well. And, and, uh, and I always liked what Mick did. So you know, the thing is, so he said people end up with different people in the groups because it's like if someone's like, well, I can't leave town, man. I can't, you know, if you're like, well, I've got two weeks. We're going out. We're going to lose money, but uh, the show's going to be awesome. <laughs> and so it's like, well, I can't do it. And that's understandable for some people because, you know, you want to keep your rent. And I've lost plenty of homes and jobs and friends because of that, of just wanting to go and play. And stuff, and then if someone can't go, it's that I guess it's that whole old vaudeville one monkey don't stop no show thing, you know. And it's just like, well, I'll get somebody else. So I just happen to be around when, hey, I need a fuzz player for this show in Chicago. All right, and that type of deal. So I just kind of ended up then for a while. Then I just ended up like uh, recording with them a lot and being available. I was also doing a lot of different bands at the same time. So when we wouldn't be on the road, I'd be doing that. Or if I was on the road, I'd be maybe have. It was nice to have the laptop just sit in the hotel room and, and record songs as well. And Mick was my roommate basically for seven years and everything because we, we roomed together. And uh really think that band, when we were on, uh, was some of the just most fun shows ever. And it was it was really nice because uh, I was always begging, when are we going to do the improv show? And we eventually did in, in, in Serbia. We did, did uh about a, a huge amount. We got actually in Boston too, and they got a letter from somebody saying it was the worst show we ever saw, and he wanted his money back. Wow! <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, the one in Serbia was great, and unfortunately, it was the last show I played with um, at this my my Rickenbacker bass I've had since I was thirteen. Uh, never never arrived at the at the next destination, and so somebody mm. either in Serbia I don't know. There's tons of tags on it when I got the case sent to me, but it uh, uh, nothing was in it. Mm, yeah, wow. it, it it went from like Serbia to Frankfurt, from back to Serbia to, to Spain, from Spain to France, from France to Chicago or something like that, and then to Detroit. And I tried calling the airlines. How much did it weigh? Your airlines? Oh, we can't give you that information. It's like ah, wow. I, I got that thing for two hundred seventy-five bucks out of the trading times because mm-hmm. I had this Montgomery Ward base before when I was nine. And Michael Alonzo actually called me up and told me it was in there. It was all black one. I, and it was the one kind of material thing that I had with me all the time whenever I, I was always spent some years just by myself and just going from place to place, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just, uh, and I always had that base with me. Oh. And, and so it was, it was it, when I was trying to lost that, I'm like, well, oh, God, oh, at this point I can lose anything, <laughs> you know. Oh, and, everything. And, it was, and it was strange because I was, um, you know, I, I, I teach at the School of Rock in St. Clair Shores, Michigan here, and I have an adult class, and I teach the, uh, the younger 
there as well. Um, the kids there and stuff. And um, and my adult class, one of them heard, overheard me on the phone talking to Matt, who asked me to play on this Andre Williams record. And I said, well, you have a bass I can borrow. And she's like, you don't have a bass? And no, and like a lot of the kids there got two or three guitars already, and they've only been playing a year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's I ridiculous. Bet. And stuff. And But my adult class... She freaked her out. I was the first time since I've been nine I hadn't known the bass. I would borrow my um, wife's Dan Electro and um, the play. And then um, they chipped in and bought me a brand new bass. It's the first time I've ever owned oh. a brand new instrument. Wow. Uh, a couple of years ago, they brought me a Rickenbacker bass. So I own a bass again, which is really nice. That's and, great. Yeah, so I've never owned a new one, so it's weird having like this $2,000 thing because mine I got for 275 bucks, you know. And, I, yeah. and the thing was so well well loved and played for so many years and and carried around everywhere it danced everywhere and the whole back of the neck was uh, the paint was gone just from playing it so much mm-hmm. so but now i got i got the new one and it's strange because i'm so care i'm so used to being careless with instruments i'm actually looking at in this room right now they're all just kind of just laying there in horror somebody kind of saw saw how I, I take care of my stuff. Yeah, but isn't that, I mean... It's nice to have it around. If you want to play it, boom, I could just grab my guitar tear on the floor. Yeah. Well, you know, that... it's, it's all in one room, so, you know, but my, my wife asked me to clean it from time to time, so I, I do. Well, and, and there there is sort of the beauty of using it and, you know, wearing it down. Like, well, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, very... I never really liked those rock and roll hall of fame type things where i don't find them that exciting even and it's it's funny because i you know for someone who's been up music has been everything since as far back as i can remember i don't find that that very interesting it's just like um here's Jimi hendrix's guitar can i play it no but look at it you know and so it's like well Well, why you let everyone play it then i'll ruin it well well and especially if it doesn't look like it's been played yeah i don't know know. i just i just don't really find that thing interesting and um uh, we went over to Dirt Bonds, we played a show at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing, and it did, I started to go look around, and I was, I was like, ah, I just didn't feel like it. We drove there through a sleet storm, and then brought all the music on, you know, the in- instruments through this, everyone's all wet and cold, and mm-hmm. it, it was in this front room, it looked like the boat show or something, and I mean, it was a really <laughs> nice place and everything, and I'm sure people get a lot of enjoyment out of it, but I just started to, and it's just like, ah, no, I just want to play, and I, I, I just didn't really want to walk around, and I feel really bad because I said, Uncle, unless there's Ray Charles' disembodied head in there and it talks to you, oh. um, I'm not really that interested. And it was like uh, there was this guy who was taking care of us. was really nice. Overheard that, and I think I heard his feelings. So I kind of felt like crap about that. But I still didn't really have any desire to look around there. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just wasn't that interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and there and there is always that sort of that dichotomy of like, oh, this 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 guitar is worth this much money, but it's like, well, yeah, and if you play it, and if you really play the crap out of it and play gigs with it, it's going to get, you know, weather-worn and road-worn and, and worn in, and and it's going to have more value in some ways than just staring at it with a price tag. It's that whole spinal tap thing. Right. Well, it's yeah. like I know it's always being, well, why did you bring that out if it meant so much to it? I'm like, well, it's, it's meant to be played. And I, and I figured it eventually go on the line of duty is, yeah. I think, you know, it just, I mean, but it's, it's like, it's like life like that. If are you going to be very, just so overly protective of yourself, um, of maybe of what other people think or, or, or that's having some fear of not doing what you would like to do, you know what I mean? So when all of a sudden, if, if, if when all of a sudden you, you uh, end this existence, if it happens immediately, if you have no time to reflect, 
at all. But if you did have time to reflect, um, would you, you know, not, not having any kind of regrets? Oh, I should have done this. I would have done this. I could have done this. Right. And that type of thing. You, um, you get damaged. You get bruised in in in, in life, and 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 that's um, it's not such a a bad thing. Uh, you know, it's it's how much you 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 let it. You know what I mean? It's like uh, it's like you have. It's like when you're a kid, they have when they go, "Don't go play in that swing set. It's rusty, and you're gonna get cut, and everything like this." But you had so much fun on it, and you do get cut <laughs> and everything, yeah. and it gets infected. But it was you had fun on there. Yeah, they say that like about a dog who sticks his head out the window and has his tongue out and to catch the flies, and it's just like it knows it's gonna catch the flies. Well, why does it do it? Well, it's it, it enjoys it so much. Right. If you ever look at a dog, of, of, yeah. of, 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 of the car, the wind going by, and for for the for the dog, perhaps. Yeah. I mean, that's guessing. I mean, I don't know what a dog thinks. <laughs> we can give a whole show around that, Troy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, I I uh, I did want to ask you one 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 quick question. Although you said actually, I need to alert the listeners that you're tuned to WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, WFMU.org. Um, and and uh, in preparation for this show, I I looked at your. Uh, your Wikipedia page, and there's a, a, uh, a fact here, and you can tell me if it's a fact and if you've got anything interesting to say about it. It says, um, in 1986, you were one of the top choices for Metallica after uh, Cliff Burton died for bass duties. Yeah, apparently apparently I was. It's, um, it was strange because I just graduated high school and moved to um, California. I <laughs> just wanted to get away from people as much as possible playing around Detroit and couldn't always find people that wanted to do it as often as I wanted to, mm. and um, which is every day. <laughs> but so, so I went, I went to Musicians Institute out there. I was going there and walking just around everywhere. And I had this, um, right after Cliff Burton died, there was a guy that approached me named Scott Earl from a band called Culprit and TKO mm. from Seattle. And he was there, and he was... And I taught him before he got the audition. So he goes, I got an audition to go audition for Metallica up in San Francisco. And I'm like, wow, I've never been to San Francisco. Can I come with you? Because um, he was also like, I don't, he wasn't really into their music. I, I liked their first couple records quite a bit. And, and um, oh, so, so he I, didn't I knew even them, know so their I stuff. taught him how to play the songs. Oh, wow. And he had, um, or helped him with them at least. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I drove up with her with him. San Francisco, and he's, we stay with some friends of his, and then we're getting up in, in the morning, and he's starting to head out the door to go to the audition thing. I'm not going to come with you. He's like, no, no, you're staying here. I'm like, oh, come on, let's let me come with you. I don't even have a bass with me, man. Because he was like, you're, you're going to audition. I'm like, no, I'm not. I don't have a bass. And I really didn't have any intention mm-hmm. at all, and I didn't have a bass with me. And when I told him I was just wanted to come along because I thought it would be fun, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, I, I was serious. So I went with him after this thing, you know, and um, we show up, and it was in the Hayward um area uh-huh. here in San Francisco in this kind of like little warehouse-ish kind of district. And, um, you know, it was just, there was a bunch of people lined up going to do it, you know, and they were playing the songs really fast, so they tripped some up. So they would, their songs were Master Puppets and um, Sanitarium were their audition tunes, right? Mm-hmm. And they'd start, also they'd just stop, and then some guy would come walk out really all bummed out, you know, and just walk away, you know, with some flying V bass or something. And, um, and so Scott went and did his, it was going in there to do his thing. Well, 
he was talking to some people. I, I, I started talking to this, 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 this old this biker guy that was just uh, there, like, at the studio thing, right? And we got along real well. I think we were talking about, like, Hawkwind or something. And um, and then he said, you know, do you, and he found out that I played. It came up. And he's like, are you auditioning? I'm like, well, I don't have an audition. He was well, you should. I'm like, I don't have a bass. And he was, hold on. And he went, and he's like, I mean, it was actually this orange Rickenbacker with these wow. black strings on it. And he's like, here you, here you go. You should audition. I'm like, all right. So Scott, so I get in the line where there's like about seven guys ahead of me. Scott comes out from his thing. He actually made it through both the songs. So I was good because I coached him on it. I was, you know, glad he did good. And so then he sees me with the bass. He goes, oh, well, you're going to audition. All deadpan. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. Right when that happens, all of a sudden this guy comes out and he goes, and his name was Aiden. And he comes out and he goes, um, hey, man, um, we're only going to take one other person. And that's it. Thanks, everybody. Bye. And so the guy at the front of the line starts to go in. And I'm in the back, and then Scott looks at me, well, you know, tough break, let's go. Mm-hmm. And I just, um, I don't know what overcame me, but all of a sudden I just yelled, hey, man, if those, and I, you know, mother, whatever, you know, um, sorry, I keep my language here. <laughs> there, um, don't, don't audition me. They're making a big mistake. And he, like, laughs. I was, I think I just turned 19, and I, I looked like I was, like, 15 or so, according to people. And um, he just looks at me and laughs. And he goes, hold on a second. And then he goes out of the room. And then these guys start glaring at me, giving me these evil looks, like, and all this stuff. Then the guy comes back, and he goes, all right, come on with me. So I went in there and, um, you know, met with um, Lars and Kirk. And uh, Lars had to kind of trip me up. He introduced Kirk as Fred. Oh, really? And um, so they're like, oh, go in there and get a sound. So I go in there and kind of do it. And then James comes, and he's like, uh, I tried to figure out this whole amp system. It was one of those like R2-D2 stack things of all these heads and stuff. And he comes up and he's like, do you usually fight distortion? I'm like, yeah. And because I was getting all distorted. And, and uh, well, it depends on, that depends on, you know, what I'm playing, if I do. But I was like, I, could, I couldn't figure this thing out. He's like, well, don't you have an amp? I'm like, yeah, I just got one you plug into. It's got one speaker and it's got a volume knob and bass and treble, you know. And, and I still I prefer that, actually. But, um, Anyways, well, we played, and, and it went really well. We played both those songs, and they're um, asking me questions. Ask, they kept asking me for my ID, how old are you? And they're like, you want a beer? And I'm like, and at the time, I, 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 um, I didn't drink any alcohol at the time. It's just kind of funny, only a couple of years later, I'm like, God. But um, <laughs> when you get into that, but like, so I don't like a Mountain Dew, but they were just, I, I, it was, I think it was just a novelty for that day or something. So I start to... So they're like, okay, cool. Can we have your phone number? I'm like, well, I don't have a phone. So Lars gives his phone number, and and in LA, you would uh, this is horrible, but you'd buy from like the uh, heroin dealers up the street. You'd buy like a um a, 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 a telephone, someone's telephone thing. You'd call for a payphone. It's horrible. I, oh, I did right. I, not the heroin, but I made the call, the phone, call, I made the the phone calls, and um so I would to keep in touch with them, and uh. So I start to leave, and we're out in the parking lot, and they're like, hey, can you come back in? And Scott's like, oh, God. You know what I mean? <laughs> of course. And, so, and we went back in, and they asked me if I knew any more songs. So we played more. We did, like, Whiplash and Motor oh, Breath. Wow. And nice. Trapped Under Ice, we started to play, and all that type of thing. Oh, and um, the bass and Whiplash and, is awesome. And we, we got along. I remember specifically, too, they asked me what I listened to, what I liked. And I was just, so I just said stuff that I was listening to around that time. I was like, you know, um, Sensation Alice Harvey Band, you know, Sparks and uh, Blind Boy 4, you know, or something, you know, Norbert Murray or something. And then they're like, do you like, any, don't you like any metal? 
they were like kind of flipped because they didn't mention any metal bands. Mm-hmm. And I never really think of Black Sabbath as a metal band to me. Um, everything, you know, like Motorhead too. I don't. It just to me, right. it's just you know, like again, it's back to that genre thing. Yeah. Regardless, I uh, so I said, well, I like Slayer, and it is frowned. Oh. <laughs> Wrong answer. But um, but we kept in touch for a couple of days and talked on the phone, and then they're like. I didn't have their other recordings with me, and they wanted me to learn, so they left my name at Electra Records. I walk in there, and they give me, I'm like, you have them on cassette. So I got the cassettes and um, started learning other songs, but then Lars goes, oh, we're going to go with this one guy, and, uh, you know, and, you know, and I'm like, all right, you know, and um, they're like, we're playing here a couple of weeks, you want to come to the show, da-da-da. So that was basically it. So I don't, I don't really know. Uh, and so I always get asked, why did you not get the gig? And I didn't said, you know, James said I talked too much. <laughs> <laughs> and um, was one thing I heard, and one one thing said I was too excited, and I, I I think, or in awe or something. And it's interesting because well, it was exciting, it was fun, I was very excited, but not in awe. You know, what I mean, it's uh, it's interesting. For some people, like it's like we back that rock and roll Hall of fame thing. I mean, I, I this huge Beatles fanatic, but I don't really. Someone's like these are John Lennon's shoes. So I'm like, oh my god, let me touch them. You know what I mean? Right. It's just that, that kind of idol tree, that sycophant, uh, sycophantic type thing. And that whole division people like to create. Well, I'm the performer, and you're the audience, and you will heed to me. That type of thing. And it's almost like some people go into the music business for that type of thing. I'm not saying that's what Metallica. Did, but I, I think it was interesting. Maybe they, because they did have these fans show up and did audition and ask them to autograph their guitars or something. You know what I mean? Oh right, yeah. And stuff. So I mean, it, but you know, it's um, it, it uh, you know, it happens as it happens. It was a lot of. It was a really fun day. Oh, and it's a know. great story. Oh, <laughs> That's <you>. tremendous. <laughs> well, I did have to ask you about that, obviously. So no worries. Yeah. Um, so I want to uh, get into the next uh, DJ set, if okay. I may, and that uh, starts with a Nathaniel Mayer oh, track. Yeah. Would you like to introduce that? Yeah, Nate, um, unfortunately, died a few years ago. Funeral was horrible. He would have hated it. He would have left oh. him under the bar. And then, oh. But a bunch of people played with him, did a show um, together, and a bunch of people who don't usually get along in Detroit, which is nice that they did, because it's stupid that they don't. And um, played in honor of them, and that was that was a lot of lot of fun. We did this record with uh, uh, Dan Auerbach from the Black Keys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan plays guitar, I play bass. Matt Smith and plays guitar, and Dave Shetler from SSM plays drums. And it was great playing with Nate because we he we when we were playing with them, we wouldn't necessarily play the songs exactly how they were. It wasn't trying to be like a revival R and B thing. I think that really. Um, made a lot of more of your R&B purists really kind of maybe up, upset that didn't like those records as much. But Nate liked the approach that this was a band, a new band, and he just happened to be the lead singer of it. Oh, and that cool. was how we approached uh, the two records I did with him. Great. So um, my guest is Troy Gregory, and we're going to hear uh, a track called White Dress off of the album Why Don't You Give It To Me that, uh, it, that he played on. And... Um, we shall return. Hang on a minute, Troy. Ow! Oh! 
are back. My guest is Troy Gregory. Sir, are you there? Aloha. Hello. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, working with Kim Fowley? Uh, I've working with Kim about 15 years ago or so. Actually, he was just in town um, about a month or two ago for the hand ceramic blowout, and we 
we did a we wrote a new record and we played two shows acoustic one john nash me and uh matt smith and uh kim and bootsy x bob marooney and um uh drummer from the crooks no i i, I, I like him i we we talk on the phone um for the last bunch of years every now and then i've written a few songs together and um Every time he's here, he's very just uh, you know he's he's fun to work with. He he works really fast. Uh-huh. And I like that, and he's you know anyone who's been in that field and that much experience, I find interesting mm-hmm. as well. And so he's funny. <laughs> so we heard Palace of Ice mm-hmm. off of uh, the Michigan Babylon record. Yeah. And uh, before that, down on Ugly Street from the Witches. Yeah. And actually, that one was co-written with actually with Kim that particular song. Oh wow! And um, yeah, that was from the yeah from Thriller. But there's also on this uh, Haunted Person's Guide to the Witches that a live, a live Natural Sound Records put out, and mm-hmm. it's just stuff from all the different records with a couple unreleased tunes. And that just came out last year. You can find it on Yellow Vinyl too. Yellow. Yellow Vinyl looks really neat too. Mm, nice. Before that, uh, from Monster Island. Yeah, that's um, with Carrie Lauren um, from. One of my favorite Detroit bands. This, um, originally, uh, it was from Destroy All Monsters, and uh, he runs a great bookshop here too called Bookbeat. And um, he's just uh, a really nice guy. I really like working with him. I've played a few shows with him and his group or our groups together. First Witches show was actually with Monster Island at the Hare Krishna Mansion downtown. Oh wow! Um, acoustic things. So Carrie, Carrie's always been supportive, and he's hung paintings of mine in his store before, which is really nice. And, yeah, and I, and he's uh, one of these people uh, a lot more in contemporary art more people should know about. You know, get, getting ready here, what you want to talk about? i got to go, go teach at the school of rock with Smoking Joe Leone and Greg Beyer. Very good. And um, um, the two, two cats that play with me and stuff, too, also teach there. So. And then yeah. who was, uh, did you play everything on the Troy and the Stepsisters track, the drama, the horror, the star? Um, no, um, Terry Lynn was their bass player. Mm-hmm. And Mary Alice, um, who I've been working with for a long time, too, is one of my favorite people I've ever been in a band with, uh, played keyboards. And um, we worked together as a group. And I played guitar and sang and did all the programming and strings for it and stuff. And eventually I'd like to do that again, but ter- Terry moved and Mary still plays with me. And w- we did a film called World War Love that I'm going to put online eventually, hopefully for free. It was done a few years ago. But that, that was that was a, a, a fun fun group to do, too, with just some friends. And is the uh, the trailer for that, can that be found? Yeah, the trailer is on, is on, is on um, the YouTube. So if you put in World War Love mm-hmm. and stuff, there's one that I made it with my brother, Todd. Oh, and it, cool. it's the first film. It, it, it's good. It's, it's not amazing. It's it's it's, it's not uh, it's not Tartoski, it, but it, it's um it, it's good. Next one will be better. And uh, so and so is the film. What are you doing with the film? Oh, that's the thing. I'm I'm a bad businessman. I already did what I needed to do. I kind of shot everyone's like I'll put it in film festivals and do this. It's just I. I I, you know, again, it's the action of doing it, and the action of kind of selling it is is something where I'm very weak on. Of making oh. phone calls and okay. filling out forms, and then you know, I mean, and setting dates. You know, I've, unfortunately, it's a drawback. I'm kind of ridiculous when it comes to stuff like that, mm. and and everything. So basically, I so I just figure I would eventually have it up just internet, so if people want to watch it because the web the website should be up in about a month. Oh, and that's going to be TroyGregory.net. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. nothing on it right now, but. It, 
to be nice to be able to put up um, music, uh, stuff that's never released, stuff that I'm currently doing, and um, and writing and drawing and stuff like that for anyone if they wish to go there and experience however they want to. And you're, and, on, the, you're on the Facebook as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, uh, I've gotten rid of it twice, but every time I get rid of it, someone goes, oh, so-and-so's trying to get a hold of you, and he wrote to your Facebook, and I get on there, and it's just like, oh, you got asked to play at the Detroit Film Theater, and it's like, oh, God, you actually do get gigs out of this thing. Right. And, and because I don't really, I'm not bad at, I'm not good at correspondence or writing people back. I don't, usually I sit there and write, I, it, 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 it just comes off more like fiction <laughs> and, and, and stuff, so I, I feel bad when people write, and you don't, I don't write them that I, I don't really like it for that. I, I just feel it's a, you know, I like I said, not many. It's not like I'm I'm, I'm on the television every day or, or the radio or mm-hmm. anything. So of letting people know what you're doing so to make aware. Because I I myself really you know know what's going on with a lot of things. You when you're just caught up in life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's uh, so people want to check that out or something. But I you know the Facebook sometimes. Uh, put things up on there as well but it's, I've used it like an email now and stuff but it's that's yeah so there, I got that I got the Facebook <laughs> even though I don't really want it <laughs> I know it well it's an it's it's a tool evil as it may be on some on, yeah you know, on it's just, some I guess it's, it's the correspondence thing it's not really something I right do really really well you know talking on the phone that's a little different yeah and uh you know so um Speaking of, you know, you said, oh, well, I'm not on the radio every day. I would like to invite you back because um, clearly there was not enough time to, um, to, to really focus on a lot of the things that, that you, you do and, and have done. And this set is, was really um, a lot of, of music that you were involved in. And I would like to invite you back to do like a Walkman set. Like you said, that you were, you know, kind of grew up on cassettes and cassettes were sort of your thing and just... Just more of like things that you listen to maybe over the years or some kind of timeline thing. Okay, that'd uh, be great. Yeah. Um, thank you. And I do, you know, and I do want to thank you just so much for, for being here. And, um, um, you know, and, and, and the enthusiasm that you brought to the show today is just, I mean, exploding all over the place. And I really am, your stories are amazing. And uh, your, your actual, just your experiences are great oh. experiences to, to share. So thank you for sharing them with, with, uh, with thank the listeners. Thank you very much. Yeah. It's very exciting. It's, very, it's always nice when someone you know, appreciates what you do. Putting out music's like a message in a bottle, you know what I mean? It's like, right, oh, yeah. I got, got a message back. Neat. Sure, yeah, and you don't ever know. But so, you know, and, and your contribution to music is not, is not lost on, on the listeners, you know, for sure. So I do want to just, you know, invite you back, and we'll talk about that. Um, and then if you can introduce the, um, the last... Song of the set, affectionate from um, this Joe Gostin. Um, he's a friend of FMU. Yeah, and he's mm-hmm. a really nice guy. He um, and he asked me, came to a show the witches played in Salem on Halloween. How perfect! And, and asked me if I would do a remix of a song for him that he did with uh, Pete Jones from PIL and a uh, um, drummer from Tackhead. Mm-hmm. And so I said, yeah, <laughs> and 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 I ended up just. Uh, some reason singing over it <laughs> I, I was hoping he would like it i wasn't sure what he would think so i said no i mean he, he enjoyed it and so um i said we'll give it a title and it's for um it's for pause for peace so it's for, to help help um, rescue dog rescue so if you're an animal lover um the money uh from that goes to pause for peace 
and uh, help Super. you know some in, endangered animals. Very cool. So this is uh, affection hate, and I'll uh, put the the link up on the the website on on the playlist for the song. So if people want to uh, to to get the track and and do their donation thing, they they will and uh, they'll be able to do that. And this is called Phoenix Reborn. Troy, thank you so much for thank you for 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 being here. You know, and oh, wait, hang on, oh, hang on. <laughs> I, you know, what am I? Oh, I see what I did. Uh, it's just been one of those days, but we've gotten through it pretty well. And, yeah, uh, have a great day, everybody who's listening. Yeah, so here's some affection hate and Troy Gregory. TroyGregory.net will be up in about a month, you said, and uh, and look for the trailer for World War Love on YouTube. And uh, and he teaches at the School of Rock in Detroit, so you know, if you need to uh, come and sign up <laughs> to to learn something, and uh, this man can teach you for sure. Oh. So uh, so thanks. All right, folks, stay tuned. We are WFMU. And that wraps it up for today's podcast. Thank you to Lita Martinez for editing the podcast and to Liz Berg for all the other background work. We are WFMU.